What's up and welcome back to the Secret Sauce Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Swing, and I've got Dave Kopsel joining me from Chick-fil-A Celebration just outside of Orlando, Florida. Tim Tisopoulos shared at this year's Next that the greatest force multiplier for our culture is trust. Well, Dave is going to dig into that. He's sharing all the ways he practically builds trust with his team. Everything from delegating and creating owners to innovating the way he views people's time with a three-day work week. You heard me right, a three-day work week. But it all goes back to a moment when Dave stood outside the front doors of the support center, looking at the plaque that says to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's been entrusted to us and have a positive influence on all who come into contact with Chick-fil-A and made the decision to make it personal. Let's get started. Dave, welcome to the Secret Sauce Podcast, man. I am fired up to have you on the show. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here with you, Josh, and hopefully many people will be listening. It's really cool. Thank you for the offer. Absolutely. We were in San Diego recently together and we were probably, I don't know, a half hour into our conversation, Dave, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, you provide way too much value not to have you on the podcast based on our conversation. So we're going to talk about a lot of the same things that we talked about just a couple of weeks ago in San Diego. But I think things that are going to be very relevant for all of our listeners, they're going to add a ton of value to people. Super practical leadership principles are going to be easy to apply. But let's start with a very important question. I'm going to paint a scenario for you. Let's just say the apocalypse is here. You're hunkered down on your your farm there right outside of Orlando in celebration, and you get an endless supply of any sauce from the restaurant to be able to help the family survive there on the farm. What sauce are you going with that's going to help you all make it through some of the end times? That's a hard question because I know for me, my family would not go with me, but I, I say Texas Pete because you can cook anything in Texas Pete and it makes it taste good. From a pan of worms, yeah. If you if, if it's Armageddon, you know you have to find things to eat. I would say Texas Pete. <laughs> Texas Pete can make even worms potentially taste better. That's a that's a hot take because it's not a a traditional Chick Fil A branded sauce, but it is in the restaurant. So I'll I will allow this answer. We'll allow that it's one. A, uh, it would have to be a default if you're going for the uh, secret secret sauces. Let's go with Texas Pete, man. I, I say let's stick to Texas okay. Pete. That's a new a new answer to the question. Let's let that one ride. I want to ask the follow-up question, Dave, to your secret sauce. So what we'll focus on for a majority of our time today on the podcast talking about sure. is what is the unique value that you bring to your team? What are the things that you focus on to add the most value to the culture that you're creating with your team there in celebration? I'd love for you to unpack what you would would call your personal secret sauce and how you lead your team. Let me just simply say by this, that it's an ever evolving journey as far as learning to lead others, especially with the changing dynamics of, of culture and economics and things that in the complexities of the business and things. But really the the foundation to our culture in the study of culture is really exciting as well within itself, but it comes down to trust and transparency with our team and being able to build trust and that transparency with the senior leadership that transpires down that, you know, that really cascades down to the whole team and basing that on the serve model with Chick-fil-A. Trust and transparency. I think that's really simple yet powerful. Those two words that you mentioned there. What do you think, Dave, keeps people 
from trust and transparency? What do you think are some of the barriers mm-hmm. in the way that maybe keep teams from having that as a key part of their culture? I think vulnerability and I think everything does rise and fall on leadership. So it's important as the leader that when we try to see and shape the future of not only our journey, we got to consider what it looks like as a team member and to and those that we lead. And to me, I think one of the greatest goals is to bring clarity to my team members and to my leaders. And if they don't have a clear direction about what the expectations are and where they're going, you've heard it that to be unclear is to be unkind. That's one of the things that we must model, I believe. That's good. I, I would agree that even a lot of people would potentially view that vulnerability word that you just use as a weakness. They don't want to be vulnerable because they want to seem strong. I personally mm-hmm. believe that's just our our pride getting in the way of leadership. The best leaders that you've come across in your life, probably a common theme with all of them is they had a level of authenticity and vulnerability about them where they were willing to be open with you. And so knowing that that's a big part of what you strive to be for your team is really powerful. You mentioned a a phrase there, everything rises and falls on leadership, which I believe is a Maxwell principle. And I'm a big John Maxwell fan. I think he produces a lot of great content. I know that you are a big proponent of the law of the lid Dave, for all of our listeners out there yeah. that don't know the law of the lid or haven't, aren't familiar with that, could you unpack that for us? You know, the law of the lid is something that he talks about in his uh, book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. If you just take a simple cup and put a lid on it, you can't put anything in and nothing can get out. You become stagnant in your growth and your journey as a leader. And I never want to be a lid to people around me. I'm going to go back, way back in my journey when I, when I was a team member. And I remember one of the things that an experience that I had with the operator that hired me, a shout out to Glenn Jordan, uh, who hired me back in 1987. I really valued my relationship uh, with Glenn. I was at at a pivotal time as as a young adult, and I was looking for something in my life. You know, you felt like a nomad and you were out on a journey and you didn't didn't have direction. But when I was hired into Chick-fil-A, you know, at Woodlawn Square in 87, Glenn became a mentor of mine. He he just became someone that I looked to for guidance and someone that I looked to just for simple direction. And one of the things that, that Glenn created in his restaurant and his culture was the opportunity to be real, to be yourself. You know, the opportunity to be transparent with him without judgment. Glenn demanded excellence out of us for sure as team members and as leaders in his culture. But one of the things that that, that always stuck with me is that Glenn cared for me. That has always been a part of my DNA with Chick-fil-A is the example that was set for me because it really provided for me a foundation to build a life on. To me, it is very key for the people that come to in my environment, you know, in all of our environments, really. But we really want to focus on meeting people where they're at. What it created for me is that I never understood the law of the lid until I started studying leadership. The law of the lid is that I never want to be a ceiling to the growth of myself or the people around me or my business. If I remove the lid, you know, remove the fears out of my life, if I remove those things, those imposters inside my head that say, I can't do something. If I'm not consistent with my words and my promises to myself and the people around me, I actually become that lid. That to me really stuck with me. It's powerful. I mean, even how that applies to how you give trust. I think if we believe some of the lies that we hear in our head, you can't give away too much trust because what if, you know, what if they walk all over you or 
you know, what if they trample the trust that you're willing to give, but the alternative is actually more toxic, man, Mm -hmm. going back to even what you shared about your operator that hired you, what a great illustration of multiplication and the way that you were invested in. And now the way that you go and are inspired to invest in your team and all the lives that will be affected as a result of what, how Glenn poured into you. I know even going back to trust, honesty is such a big part of trust and trust is something that is difficult to gain and and maintain and it's easy to lose. And so I'd love to hear Dave, what are, what does honesty look like in your culture around how you're building trust with your team? I'd love to hear some examples of that and how it plays out in your store. Honesty, first of all, starts with yourself. And if you're not honest with yourself, it's really hard to hold others accountable to that. You know, you know, I start out each year looking at a word or a portion of scripture that really helps drive my growth for the year. And this year I chose James chapter one, verse 22, that says, be doers of the word, not hearers only yet, lest you deceive yourself. A lot of times we get involved in things and we, we're hearers. We'll say, hey, you know, let's do lunch or hey, let's do a podcast together. And like, you never follow up with those things, you know, but here you, we made this connection. I'm like, I'm going to be a doer of the words that I say. To me, doing is really important. As far as, you know, like that team member aspect of building that honesty is that when I speak it out loud to my team, I've got a, it's now out there to them and I have to hold myself accountable to follow through on the promises I've committed to them. One of the big things coming out of COVID was investing in my team, investing not only the time, but also some financial backing behind that too. You know, you're always always fearful of, well, if I invest this and it doesn't work, what happens? Yeah, that's a lid. That thought, that the way that think that thinking is a lid to me. What I found is that in 2021, August, I made a commitment to take 10 of my leaders through a hero's journey, which is a it's a 42 week, you know, investment in, into them. And we'd meet for 42 weeks of the year, we'd meet two to three hours every Tuesday. We would talk about leadership and talk about their emotional intelligence and really digging into them personal. And also how what they do as leaders affects everything downstream of their life and how it affects them personally within their families and also what happens, you know, within the restaurant. So that, that's real important to me that follow through on the promises, because the last thing I want to do is be deceived myself. The last thing I want to be is deceive the people around me of not being truthful with what I do promise that I will do. Dave, I don't know if you'll remember this, but a couple of years ago, we were talking about different leadership principles and what was happening in the store with the team. And you actually did this illustration with me. It was in the hub at, at Next, but you had me turn my back to you. And it was this illustration of constant gentle pressure that you're applying to the team, which I think illustrates uh, honesty, what honesty looks like really well. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Is it ringing a bell? I do. I do. I do. And I guess the imagery that you're saying is that if when I walk into the room, you know, as the owner operator, you, you know, you already know you're the alpha. You already know you're the most powerful person in the room. It's how you use that to apply to people's lives. And that gentle pressure that I that I put on your back was that if I walk in and there's no pressure or tension on the relationship, positive tension on that relationship with my leaders, what I do is is I, I put pressure on their back and say, if you don't feel this when I walk in, then there's something wrong. We've got to always keep our focus on what we're doing. 
because it's real easy to take our focus off of what we are doing. When you talk about honesty is that it's real easy to see when there's been a bad shift, when it's not been led right, or a bad week, or a bad month on my part, or my leadership part, because we lose focus, because we get distracted. Our environments are riddled with distraction. You know, what I found in the environment, all those distractions really, really become a crutch, really become something that holds back the potential. And really creating an environment of discipline around clarity of conversation and clarity of of that trust of what we've embarked on. We started out this conversation about talking about culture and coming off the next talking about culture. Culture is really an exciting thing to talk about. Culture, if we don't have it, then we're just going to be another cog in the wheel. And I think what sets Chick-fil-A apart are the principles and the values that it all began with. And I remember in 1987, when I first visited the support center and sitting on that awesome cement block out front of the corporate office, the corporate purpose. And one of the things I love about the corporate purpose is that if a company can talk about God, make God part of what they do on a daily basis, I'm in. I really didn't understand the power of the corporate purpose until I made it personal. When it talks about to glorify God by being faithful stewards of all that has been trusted to Chick-fil-A, right? But what about honoring God myself by being a faithful steward of all that has been trusted to me, my name? Because my name is on the brand. My name is my legacy, right? And to have a positive influence to all come in contact with not only Chick-fil-A, but with me, my name involved in that. You know, Chick-fil-A offered me an opportunity, you know, really a gift, you know, to be a part of what they do. And that to me is a is something you never want to take for granted. You never want to take for granted the, the idea of honoring God with what you do. No, absolutely not. And I think you made a really good point, Dave. It starts with us. If we just jump into how can our brand or how can my restaurant make a more more of a positive impact on all who come into contact with Chick-fil-A, then we're missing the first step. And it's probably going to crumble because mm-hmm. there's no foundation in place. If we're not living that out ourselves. Like you said, everything rises and falls on leadership and you've been called to be the leader of your restaurant. And so everything rises and falls on how you go about that individually. One of the questions that Andrew asked as he was addressing the audience at, at next this year, this year was what are the, what are your hopes and dreams for your culture? Which is a really powerful question to, to mm-hmm. take a step back and, and to think about. I know where a lot of leaders fail is we, we will hope and we will dream about the culture that we want but we don't actually do anything about it. What you're talking about with coming in and applying honesty to your team and living out the corporate purpose and your how you've made that personal for yourself, it takes time, right? It's, it's an investment. And I think mm-hmm. we have to be willing to invest that time and to have those conversations if we want to create that culture that we're hoping and we're dreaming and Dave, that's one of my favorite parts about you is that you walk that walk. You don't just talk that talk. You going back to what you just said earlier, you're taking time to take your leaders through the hero's journey and invest in extensive amounts of time with them because you know what you're called to do and why you're doing it. Knowing your why is such a big part of it. Just want to give you a shout out here on, on your own podcast for how I've seen you live that out. Thank, um, thank you, Josh. I know a lot of that for you is is rooted in care and how you want to deliver care. And it's even caused you, Dave, to innovate in a lot of cool, creative ways. 
that deliver care for your team so that you can fully unlock their mm-hmm. potential and change the trajectory of their lives ultimately. What are some things that you're doing or thinking strategically about, Dave, and how you can deliver even a higher level of care to your team moving forward? When you talk about a culture of care, and I've been doing a lot of, you know, brainstorming and things on this, just this, you know, since next and looking at the future and, you know, what it looks like. And starting out the year, I began asking the question, you know, to my leaders, I said, what is it that we need to simplify? Because a lot of times when when complexity comes and things get more muddied, so to say, we want to add solutions to what we do. And what I found is is that when we pull back and we start to simplify our life, rather than adding to the complexity, because success already brings complexity to the game, volume does. It, the the team member complexity. There's so many things that do that. So simplifying number one, your mindset, simplifying how you think, and to get away and think about what you're thinking. I know that's a, a, an oxymoron, but sometimes <laughs> my I got I got thinking that that leads me down a rabbit hole that I don't need to go down to really clean out my pipes, so to say. It's like when you rev the engine to your car, you're blowing the pipes out. And and taking that time, truly taking time to think about what you do, because what I do and how I lead in my behaviors and my tone and how I show up every day matters. If I'm going to demand my leaders and ask them and say, hey, how you show up matters, what are you, how are you showing up today? If I'm not doing that myself, then I'm deceiving them. I'm deceiving myself. It goes back to being a doer of what I say I'm going to do, like in James. You know, we did start, to, we talked about a three-day work week. And I said, okay, so my leaders, my senior leadership and have begun that thing that Justin started back in 21, you know, the operator in, uh, in, in Miami. And he put that thing out, you know, caught wind and CNN and stuff. I'm like, okay. So in talking with him, it's something that my leaders want to do. And one of the things that we have a commodity of that we all have is time. But it's the idea of giving the gift of time back to your team. When we started this, this three-day work week this year, it, it really brought with it that this is a test. Yeah, but there was excitement and a buzz around it. And, and the thing was, is I turned it over to my leadership to do. You know, I would guide them on the process. But th- what they've said is that this is the first time that they feel like they have owned the business. This is the first time that I personally have gotten out of their way to actually help them to be the leaders that they've intended to be, which has been really good. You know, it was getting things off our plates, you know, that we're not actually moving the needle, you know, in the business and what we were doing. It was taking the busyness out of our productivity and actually being productive because sometimes we mistaken busyness for being productive. And just because we're doing things and we started simplifying our thoughts and what we were really looking at in the business of what we need to hold accountable and to stop having non-productive conversations. These are things that what we call them in our, in our restaurant is a, um, you know, the drive-by conversations. Hey, by the way, hi, this, you know, and, hey, I need to order this, whatever it might be. And those things kind of muddy the waters. So when when you can have conversations that actually, you know, move the needle in the conversations in the business and in people's lives, it becomes a lot more productive. And the gaps that we identified within the business were that the team members not knowing where they stand within the organization and having a true dedicated one on one with these team members. I have a you know a cultural coach within our business now that that's what they're just going to focus on is just team member development. 
you know, I've worked with the leadership team personally, but I cannot extend that out myself to all 80 to 100 people that work for me. But what I can do is really siphon in on showing care in the culture by really helping the team members understand, number one, where they are with the business, where the opportunities for growth and through the clarity of a pathway of how they can get there. And that's going to, you know, that begins with the, the trust and transparency conversations. And what we've developed is an opportunity for them to rate themselves in their performance and where they're at in the business. And then what the leaders say, what their performance is. So we bring those two together and we marry that conversation to bring honesty to it. Because a lot of times, you know, I'll see myself or they may see themselves as a different light in the business. And it's like, uh, that's not what we see. And we don't want that. And we want to clear up those conversations. When you can have engagement and consistency as a goal, you know, because we want to raise the team member engagement and we want to increase our consistency with what we do. Our true goal in our organization is growth. Yes, grow sales. Yes, grow people. Um, yes, grow and foster great a great culture. You know, I look at it as, as like the garden. You know, what we have is we have all these little gardens around the country and now expanding into the world. And how we tend to our garden is really, really important. We need to fertilize it. We need to water it. We need to prune back what's dead and get rid of it. We need to prune back even what's growing so it can produce more fruit. And that analogy from scripture is, is it, it just plays so vividly in my mind when we look at team members' lives and, you know, in our lives and, you know, creating that culture of care. You know, I went through a lot of stuff and asked myself a lot of questions. And one of the questions was, is that what are the drivers of our interconnections? What interconnects us as people within our culture? You know, if you cannot see it, you cannot work on it. And it's like going on an archaeological dig. You have to dig in order to find things. Because a lot of times our surface level thinking, our surface level of who we are, that's all you get. But there's depth. I don't want to be in the mile wide and an inch deep. I want to be a half mile wide and a half mile deep. Each area of the business has its own unique culture and, and therefore needs some attention in different ways. And I was thinking about food safety culture, quality culture, customer experience culture, team member experience culture, the leadership development culture, the care culture, cleanliness, engagement. These are all different types of cultures within our culture. And how do you speak to those? And that's what we're really trying to clean up is how we speak to them and how we address those things. Yeah. The label is like micro cultures within the, the greater, yeah. bigger picture culture of the business that you're running. And going back to what you said earlier, I think one-on-ones are such a big part of that. Like the connectedness that people feel within your team is, mm -hmm. is ultimately going to create from a holistic perspective, the culture that you want, because it's like at the top level, you could be saying these things and talking about these things, but it's like, is that really what people are experiencing at the team member level as people are coming into our mm -hmm. restaurant for the first time and how we ensure that that honesty can trickle all the way down is through scaling that connectedness of, you know, how do people feel when they walk into our restaurant? How do people feel when they have that, those conversations with each other that are allowing them to unlock their potential, man, I get fired up when you talk about like the filter is growth. Like we just want to grow everything and we want to grow the business, but not at the expense of our people, right? We want to grow the people. No. If it takes us a year longer to hit the milestone that we want to hit, but as a result, 
our people are hitting personal milestones along the way, then that's that's a win. I know going back to what you mentioned, that the three-day work week with longer 12-hour shifts for some of your senior leadership team, yeah. that's some cool stories have come out of that, of like what it's allowed some of your leaders to do personally in their lives to help them hit a home run in other areas so that you know they're going to show up and hit a home run in the business too, because it, all those other things fuel their impact within the business. Dave, will you share some of the cool stories? You don't have to mention names, but I'd love to hear like, what are some of the cool things that have come out of that new innovative method that is rooted in care with how you view people's time? (laughs) Delegation to leadership has been huge and delegation to them of ownership of the business has been real huge in my, in my transition as an operator, you know, coming post COVID and stuff in their lives, you know, they've been able to focus on pursuing their education finally, because they actually have four days off in a row. I have uh, leaders that have, you know, actually gone home to see their family that they haven't seen them in two years. I have leaders that are not only pursuing education and seeing family, I've had other leaders that are have gotten kind of strange, but they got a second job to dig themselves out of the debt that they've created for themselves. And, you know, that one leader calls it their side hustle. And, you know, we've had conversations you know, about that. <laughs> in their side hustle, how is that affecting your life? What it does is what we've seen with what we've done with, you know, having the senior leadership on this is that it's really brought continuity and it's brought a lot more consistency to how they lead because you'll have these leaders that are together for three full days and that leadership pod, so to say, is together in those days, there's one six day stretch where they're there, you know, Thursday through Saturday, off Sunday, and then Monday through Wednesday. But inside of that, you start to identify their strengths and their weaknesses they have. They tell me about these conversations that they're having and the solutions and the things that they're able to accomplish now. Because on a on a five-day work week, what they were seeing is that they, they felt like they could never accomplish the things they started out to do. And whether it be you know certain tasks within the business or conversations and follow-ups they needed to have or in initiatives with training or things that they neglected because they're so involved deeply into the business because in operations, they didn't have the time to think about it while they were there. Now they're there, they're able to hand the baton from one pod to the other with consistency. And it also has eroded the frustrations with transition times at two o'clock and at five o'clock with dinner and breakfast because you have three engaged leaders that are there and they're able to disperse there's responsibilities amongst each other. And every one of them bring a viable talent to what we do on a daily basis. In my conversations with them, I tell them, so how's it going? How are you doing? How is this applying to your life? And they go, man, this is awesome. I said, I said, okay, what's negative about this? And they say, well, I don't haven't found anything negative yet. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to ask this again. What's negative about this? And they would go, well, if it is a negative, I've had to make adjustments to my life. I said, Okay, what type of adjustments? Well, to be here three days at you know twelve to thirteen hours for that time, that adjustment is just. But what it's done, it's helped me to focus more. What it's done, it's rejuvenated my my love and ownership of what we do. To me, there is a win for them and also for the business because it makes them they when they come back they and when they're not there they tell me that they miss being there. Mm -hmm. You know, we even had conversations of like they felt guilty for being off a week during the month because they missed. And I said, the pods are working together. And the things that we we talk about is that I don't want the pods to have nepotism 
where one set of leadership is favored over the other leadership. I said, we can't have that. And the moment that thing raises its head, we're going to be playing whack-a-mole. We're going to cut the cancer out. We're going to get rid of this negativity. We don't want this. We need to have consistency with what we're doing because the consistency is what helps us get better. It's those short-term wins every day, hammering out every day and understanding that compound effects that it has over time. So I hope that brings some clarity to the excitement of this conversation and asking them to, I ask, I said, what are you going to, how hard are you going to fight to improve this and keep this? And they said, coach, we're going to work our butts off because <laughs> we want to own this. And that's the thing. They, they don't want to go back. I said, do you want to go back to Egypt? And they're like, uh, no, we don't want to go back there. <laughs> the promised land There's, is so much they, better. They, they've kind of, they've got, they kind of tasted the milk and honey here. They have. <laughs> oh, no, that's awesome. And even how much your your leaders love it. And I know that we talked about that offline of them being like, we don't want to go back. Don't make us go back to the other way. We want to figure out a way to well, continue. Well, and, and you know, you don't want to go back to it. And the other thing is, is that other people are excited. So, you know, the next layer down, what's it look like for other full-time people that work in the environment? We're working now on doing a four-day week for our full-timers to give them the gift of time back to them. You know, when you're here, I need you to show up. You can't digress with what's been given to you. I, I, I'm looking for more out of you with this. Yeah. And well, they're delivering. To your point earlier, what you shared with, with the current team that's executing it is they yeah. show up more fired up to be at work. They miss it, right? They spend a little bit of time away mm -hmm. from it. They get the rest and the recovery and the restoration that they need to where they're coming back in, ready to knock it out of the park again, which is, which is do. really cool to hear about. I I appreciate you laying that out for everybody, Dave. You may have like a hundred people reach out to you with follow-up questions on, on what that's like. Uh, I'm sure there's probably questions that are popping up in people's minds about this approach that you've taken. Uh, man, I want to I tie a bow on the episode and bring it back home. I'll, I'll come back to something that you mentioned earlier as a 17-year-old looking at the corporate purpose for the first time saying, hey, I want mm -hmm. to be a part of that. And I, I want to I want to bring it back to the why behind the 12 hour shifts. Tie those two together for me, Dave. Tie together how you're approaching people's time and how you're looking to be a faithful steward of all that's been entrusted to you and to positively influence the lives of others. What we do has value. When we're building our cultures, you know, you want to attract people, you know, who want to add value to others with you. And it's kind of like a magnet, you know, magnets have a, have, a, have, a, have a positive, they have a north and a south side. And when you put the, the, the two negatives together, what do they do? They repel each other. But when you put the southern and the northern part of the magnet together, they attract each other. You know, the, the law of magnification, and as Maxwell talks about, getting better every day, that the pursuit is to get better today for tomorrow. Um, you know, Truett was a real big proponent of getting better. And one of the things that I found is that and Chick-fil-A valued me as an individual. The, the leaders of Chick-fil-A from the support center all the way through down to the, the restaurants that I go to, to the team members that when I, and I visit, they value me and I feel value. If we ever get away from care or get away from adding value to the people that we serve behind the counter and the people that we serve on the other side of the counter, and we don't focus on making those remarkable experiences, I don't believe for me, I'm doing my job. I don't believe I, what I've been called to do. You know, as you and I and I have talked to you before about is that I'm not if the lives of the people that that I lead that are under 
my stewardship that are under my shepherdship at, at, at my at my you know celebration in Chick-fil-A. If their lives are not being uh, changed in a positive way outside of Chick-fil-A, if their lives aren't getting better, the relationship with their families, you know, with their kids, you know, with their finances, and just name an area that they that they live in, that they touch. If their lives are not being impacted positively because of what we do at Celebration, then I'm not doing my job. That's I powerful. feel like it's my fiduciary. It's my responsibility to provide an environment for that. I can provide it, and sometimes people don't don't want to partake of that. And you know, the culture itself will help liberate them to the marketplace really easily. And it's it's good knowing you. If you ever change, come back. Doors always open. But the lives of the people that that work hard for me, that come to that, that you know they wake up, they got to drop their kids off at daycare. They do so much just to show up. I want to make sure that the culture that they're a part of is going to be enriching, engaging. And it's going to help change their lives. That's powerful. Thank you for thank you for leaving us with that. I'm incredibly inspired to go out and impact somebody's life now today. If you, as a leader, are saying to yourself, "Oh, that's not my you know that's not my responsibility to help them be a better spouse or help them be a better sibling or help them be a better community member," then I would say you're wrong. We have this incredible opportunity with the platform that we've been given to positively influence people's lives for the better, not just at work in every area. So yeah, Josh, you're welcome. And I, I, can I just leave you with this one thing? Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes down to, we, we, you and I talked about Deuteronomy six, right? You know, I love the Lord God with all your heart, soul and mind, and take these things I, I give to you and impart to them upon your children. To me, it comes down to two things and that's loving people and loving the people in your life. And the most important person that's in your life is the person that's in front of you right now. If you forget that, you know, because of distraction or whatever. I remember being at the support center. You know, when you go to the support center on on Monday morning for uh, yeah, for devotion, it's like a big pep rally. And yeah. one of the things I, I love is that the leader of our organization, the Kathy family is amazing, but, you know, Dan was in, it was in there one morning. You know, there was people everywhere. There was stuff going on everywhere. When I was there that morning with my team, Dan didn't lose his connectivity with the person in front of him. He didn't. And I'm like going, wow, that's something to model. That's something to like, and using that core four, as we talk about, to stay engaged amongst all the other confusion that's going on there. But to love someone in that way and to grow someone that way. I just look at the whole organization and again, you know, we're really part of something really remarkable. That's good, man. Dan, obviously a phenomenal leader, but like you said, the capacity to, to be in a room full of people, which a lot of times we are, yeah. we are in that situation as leaders, but then the focus on the one, how can we impact this life that's in front of us is something mm-hmm. that we can all get better at. So thank you for that charge moving forward, Dave. This has been an incredible conversation. I appreciate you coming on and adding, adding value to our audience here on the Secret Sauce podcast. We'll talk soon, man. All right. Thank you, Josh. It's been a pleasure. What Dave left us with is so incredibly powerful. It is our responsibility as the leaders to provide a culture that enriches and improves the lives of our people. Until that becomes a personal conviction like it has for Dave, our ceiling for impact is only so high. Two big takeaways I'm leaving this conversation with. Number one, be a doer. Don't be someone that says, let's get lunch or let's get coffee and never actually follow through. Don't be someone who says, 
Developing leaders is really important. And then never execute a plan to intentionally grow people. Be a doer. Number two, simplify. Like Dave said, we can easily fall into that trap of mistaking busyness for productivity. And by doing a bajillion different things, actually miss the most important things. Coach John Wooden says it like this, don't mistake activity for achievement. If this episode added value for you, like it did for me, think about one other person in your circle and send it to them today. Thanks for leaning in. Until next time, stay saucy.